Welcome to worship this morning, friends of University Heights United Methodist Church. It's great to be with you here today. I'm Pastor David. Amy Walls is our liturgist. Joanne Hannon is doing our children's message today. Uh, be sure to sign in on the attendance forms in the pew folders, uh, letting us know that you're here today. And feel free to share any prayer requests that you might have this morning. A lot is going on today, directly following the service. The uh, children's ministry has a special production prepared for you about the life of King Josiah. The reviews are in, and uh, what I've heard is the director is harsh, but the kids are phenomenal. So, looking forward to that. Now, this is an important note for those of you who are looking for your coffee after the service. That will be downstairs in Fellowship Hall where the production is. So see, that was a little strategic move. Uh, so we'll have some great refreshments and beverages downstairs. So as you're able, I invite you to join us in Fellowship Hall after the service for some great fellowship food and today's special production. We are in the midst of the Lenten season, and so invite you to take advantage of resources uh, to renew you some spiritual disciplines this time of year. We have some daily readings that are produced on Facebook as well as in printed form, and we have the next week of readings available uh, right outside the doors if you want to pick up a copy of our Lenten devotional. We are offering a Lenten class on the Lord's Prayer. If you were not able to make it last week, that's okay. You can join us this week, 1030 in person on Wednesday at the church or 7 p.m. on Wednesday on Zoom, and I'd be happy to give that link to you. As a reminder, we continue in our, in our life of prayer for the Crosby family. Sally Crosby's uh, service of remembrance will be next Saturday, March uh, 11th at 11 a.m., uh, so all are invited to be there and, and offer your prayers and comfort to Myrna and her family during that time. Also, uh, a couple opportunities in our relationship with the University of Indianapolis. One is that they have uh, created a, a unique prayer resource um, where they are taking prayer concerns and kind of posting them up uh, on the wall in the, uh, the prayer room, which is right by the bathroom. And last I checked, there were some markers and prayer cards on the, the desk right behind the soundboard. So if you'd like to offer a prayer and add it to their wall, the students and the weekday ministries will be praying over that with you. So that's kind of a neat opportunity. Also on campus, a couple special events. Uh, there is a chili supper cook-off on March the 8th from 5 to 7, and I think that's run through the Alumni Affairs office. So some of those who are cooking may be folks that you know, uh, but that's on March the 8th, and you can get your tickets online. Also on March the 8th, the university is offering the Showers Lecture, and this year the theme is Immigration and Religion, Stories from the Border and the Bible. And so there's information in our views about how to register for those events, or you can see me and I can get you connected with more information. But it's always a joy to share some of the things that are happening in the like of the university that also uh, impact us as well. I wanted to close with a little story today that relates to our theme. There were some, there were some fellows on the radio this week 
and they were discussing heaven, and one of them said, you know, I love to play basketball. It's basketball season. Do you think that we'll be allowed to play basketball in heaven? And if so, do you think I'll make all my shots? Because it's heaven after all. And his buddy said to him, I don't know right away. I've heard a lot about us singing with God's angel choirs, and I've heard your voice. So you're going to be in choir practice first and maybe basketball later. So what do you think? We are praying today, thy kingdom come. Uh, what exactly are we praying for, friends? Let's greet each other as we think about that question. Share the joy and peace of Jesus with each other. <laughs> Our Father, we prepare our hearts for worship this morning, and we pray, Lord, that in this time and space, that a little bit of heaven will touch a little bit of earth, uh, that your way will be present in us and in this time together, uh, that we'll feel your joy, that we'll know your peace, that we will sense your strength that we will receive your mercy and that your way, your will would take root in us. May we glorify you, Lord, as we seek to live for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. Uh, first of all, I would like to say that I saw the dress rehearsal of the play last night and what it may lack in Hollywood special effects, it makes up for in enthusiasm and love. So be sure to see it. If you'd stand and join me in the call to worship, please. Jesus has ushered in the way of God. In Christ, the kingdom of heaven draws near. We pray the vision of God to be realized and enacted more and more each day. The Spirit moves to expand the kingdom throughout the earth. Repent, turn toward God, and believe this good news. We open our hearts to be transformed by the will of God. Our hymn of praise today is Praise the Lord, the Almighty, number 139 in your hymnal.
If you join me now in the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed, number 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.
Dearest Lord God, thank you for your many blessings, not the least of which is the knowledge that you are only a prayer away. Use these tithes and offerings, our prayers and our time and service to reach out to others and show them your love. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. scripture lesson today is from Luke 22, verses 39 through 46, Jesus praying on the Mount of Olives. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will be, my will but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. 
The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, and yes, it's time for the children to come forward. And Miss Joanne has uh, some words of wisdom for you. Guess what we're going to talk about? Prayer. I, um, I have to go get something. This is a picture of my mother. If you pass that around. Well, my mother called me one time, and she said, Joanne, I have to give the prayer at Circle next month, and, and I don't know how, how I'm going to do that. She said, I don't like to pray in front of people. I pray just to myself. So she was really nervous about it, and I said, well, Mom, just think about what you would wish for those people that you're, that you're praying to, actually praying to God, but asking God what, what he could do for those people. I said, think, think about them, not so much yourself. Maybe that'll help. Well, she said, so she then sent me a copy of the prayer that she used and um, there it is. And, and my mother was one who believed in uh, not wasting anything. And so the prayer that she sent me, see, what, see that postmark on here? That's an envelope that she had gotten in the mail. So she, t she would take, uh, instead of just throwing the whole thing away. Anyway, that's what she wrote this prayer on. So she sent it to me so I could see what it was. And I think she did a pretty good job. She said, Dear Heavenly Father, give us the courage to bring our faith to life and put it to use for others and most of all for ourselves. Bless each of us here and let us take notice of the things about us. So I don't think she needed to be so nervous, do you? I think she did a pretty, pretty good prayer. Well, in the newspaper, there's, there's a prayer. And so today I looked to see if it was there. And one time the star stopped putting the prayer in and did they receive the letters of anger from people? So they had to start putting the prayer back in. And the prayer today was, 
Help us, O oh God, to take better care of ourselves. Help us to cultivate habits that lead to greater health and life. Help us begin today. Amen. And when I read this prayer, I think it was put in there for me because everything it says in this prayer is what I, what I need to do. And so there, there are all kinds of prayers, but one, one of the things I noticed is in our, uh, in our Sunday school class, uh, we, we don't have a lot of people in there anymore, but um, one Sunday just recently, um, Mrs. Richwine, who was teaching that day, said, would someone want to close in prayer today? And it was silent. Everybody sort of looked down, like not me, not me. But then one of the uh, one of the men said we could do the Mizpah benediction, which was what may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from the other. So you can always fall on that one if you if you need to. And um, but see, we've been going to church all our lives. <clears throat> those of us in that class, and yet we're a little shy about doing the prayer. And, and uh, I was uh, giving a program for St. Patrick's Day, which is coming up pretty soon. And someone or someone had asked if I would give the prayer at the dinner. We, we went out, a women's group. So this is the sort of... Uh, uh, this is an Irish prayer. May God grant you always a sunbeam to warm you, a moonbeam to charm you, a sheltering angel so nothing can harm you, laughter to cheer you, faithful friends near you, and whenever you pray, heaven to hear you. That's one of my favorite prayers, I looked, it, I looked it up to find one for St. Patrick's Day. So, any comments you have about prayer? Is it hard for you to pray in front of people? Nope, I guess not. Alrighty, I won't, I won't ask you to do it, but I will ask you to just bow your head with me and we'll, we'll pray. Thank you, God, that we're able to be here together today and that I had the privilege of talking to these young people who are an inspiration to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for those who may not know, we have, we have two dogs at our house, and I swear they are like little children. Uh, the slightly larger dog, Ray, will grab a toy in his mouth, chew on it, spread out on the floor. 
His uh, younger brother, the smaller, Louis, will stand about a foot back and just bark, bark, bark at Ray, chewing his toy. And Ray will just sit there, chewing and chewing. And then he'll pause for a moment and stare and do a little, uh, and then go back to chewing. Now, I'm not certified to interpret dog, but I'm pretty sure Louie is saying, that toy looks fun. How about giving me a try? I'd like to play with that. And Ray is saying, back off. It's mine. That phrase, it's mine, it's one of the earliest phrases that we learn as kids. If I'm pretty sure that if you were to volunteer for five, six minutes in the Children's Center, you would get to see this It's Mine in action, which is interesting because as far as I know, none of the toys in those classrooms were purchased by the children, but they may act as if they owned them, which is normal. We know this is normal. Kids age two to six, they go through what's called the pre-operational stage where they're very egocentric. They think everything belongs to them. This is when little children learn to differentiate between this is my nose, that is your nose. I can't pick your nose. It doesn't belong to me, just my own. The problem is when we grow into adults, but we don't escape this self-absorbed phase, and we constantly claim that things and experiences are our own. Now, I will admit, even I struggle with the rules at time. Like if I'm the first person to see a donut on the table, does that mean it belongs to me? I was the first one to see it. Or do I need to actually touch the donut in order for it to be mine? If Amy says the donut is hers, but she doesn't eat it for two minutes, is it still hers? Or can I now say it's mine? Obviously, the most important thing is that I need to end up with the donut, right? It's true. If any of you are familiar with the, the movie Finding Nemo, there are a flock of seagulls in that movie, and I'm a bit like them. When they see little Nemo up on the dock, and he becomes like a little morsel, a snack that they can enjoy, you hear them all singing together, a cacophony of shrieks. Mine, 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 mine. Is that our song. I'm being silly, aren't I? All of these illustrations, it's just silliness. There's a study published in Psychological Science about five years ago, and it detailed how globally over time, people are becoming more individualistic, more centered on self. The trend relates to how people see themselves independent, self-reliant. The objective is personal pleasure, personal wholeness, personal success. Unlike years of communal or family-oriented systems where success was measured by the health of the group. Cindy and I were talking over lunch this week. We were wondering about this trend away from jobs that serve community, jobs that we know make an impact, but people are now noticing more personal risk with those jobs. So take, for example, teaching or healthcare. These jobs are in great demand. They have fewer candidates. Why? 
lack of compensation, fear for personal safety, too physically and mentally demanding. We know those jobs greatly benefit community, but is the work worth the cost to me personally? Should we pick a job based on what makes me happy or what makes the greatest impact on others? I was reading an online blog and the author was wrestling with what's the difference between being selfish and being self-responsible, wanting it our way. She said, we don't really have a problem with people asking questions like, will this decision put me at risk? Will I be safe? Will this be pleasurable for me? What could I lose in this situation? What could I gain? But if those are the only questions we ever ask, if that's the only lens we use, if there's a lack of additional care and concern for the needs outside ourselves, are we not becoming a victim to a me culture? I want it my way. There are benefits to the me culture. I can now order my cheeseburger at McDonald's the way I want it, and I don't have to eat all the condiments and pickles that I don't want to be there. Or more seriously, people now have the freedom to advocate for their own personal mental health at the workplace. But a me culture can also create a vacuum of empathy, the inability to cooperate with other people. Where do you see the me culture taking over? And then we as Christians are met with the Lord's Prayer, which focuses us to look beyond ourselves. Pray like this to your Father, Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. The kingdom and the power and the glory are yours. Now, obviously, there's some resistance here because when we pray, we are training our heart to fix, fixate on what we're praying. We're asking our heart to think less of ourselves and more of God's wants. And frankly, that's upsetting to how we've been raised. And so maybe we pray, thy kingdom come, and we're praying for the future. A future heaven where we will be jettisoned from this speck of dirt and will be taken to a far off place where there are no longer problems and no longer hunger. And we like that idea because we can continue to be ourselves now and have it our way. And then far off in the future, we'll find this land of paradise, which we kind of hope is an extension of what we like now. That might be how we pray, but that's not how Jesus was praying the Lord's Prayer. Maybe we pray this way. Thy will be done. Go ahead, Lord. Thy will be done. Resignation. God's going to do it God's way anyways. Why even worry about it? I wanted it my way, but I don't really have a choice. God's going to do what God's going to do. But as Jesus was praying in the garden, tears of grief and anguish streaming down his face, praying that God's will be done did not look like Jesus just giving up. 
proving powerless. It seemed like Jesus was mustering all the courage and conviction he had to say those words. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. That prayer is risky. That, that's a crazy prayer. <laughs> that's a prayer of subversion and conversion. We can't escape the change that prayer is going to bring. It's nothing short of saying, I'm turning over my life to go after what God wants from now on. If we were to take a step back into the day Jesus was teaching that prayer, you see all the crowds on the hillside? They've been beaten down by the ugly face of the Roman Empire. And they believe the remedy is that God needs to be king. They thought God needs to step into this world, into the history of now, and exert God's power, overrun the kingdoms of this world. The, pro the prophets had promised that God would do that. Isaiah, in particular, describes how God is going to establish that kingdom. God's going to rescue and release captives. He's going to defeat evil. And he's going to return with the people to Jerusalem and live with them. That's God's vision, God's heart. So when Jesus says, say to your father, thy kingdom come, sounds like they're praying for national liberation. They don't want to jettison off into some heaven place or even really have inner peace. They're praying, God, your government now on earth. That's a risky prayer because usually those in control don't like you to pray them out of control. Would we be bold enough to pray, God, we want your rule in this place? As those earliest followers were praying that Jesus would reorient their country, they discovered, you know what? Jesus is really fulfilling God's dream in Isaiah right now in a broader way. I mean, we're praying for God, release captives. And then we see Nicodemus and the man born blind and the woman at the well. It's like prodigal sons all over the place coming home. Every time the Spirit works through Jesus, some new captive turns around and comes home. We're praying for God to defeat evil, and Jesus is doing that everywhere, particularly on the cross. This self-giving, suffering servant, taking all the brokenness, the evil, the prejudice, the violence on himself, and saying those forces are powerless to the might of God in me. We're praying, God, return and live with us. And there's Jesus, the good shepherd, guiding his flock, promising never to abandon them, to be heaven with them. When Jesus was resurrected from the grave, the followers realized God's kingdom had come. God's will is done. Heaven and earth, they've come together. God's heart is filled. But then they realize that if we're praying that God's going to release captives, then that means God needs to release what's captive in me. And if we've been praying that God needs to root out evil, then maybe God needs to root out evil in me. And if we're praying that God comes and lives with us, well, then that means shifting my whole life around from this me culture to allowing heaven to interact and instruct me. If I'm praying for God's will, then all of a sudden my relationships, my work, my life, the church, become his. Am I ready for that? 
we keep looking around and we can tell there's still hurt. There's still abuse. There's too much evidence of pain. There's still injustice and idolatry, violence and vileness. We know Jesus fulfilled the dreams of God, but those dreams are still taking root. N.T. Wright said this week that Jesus is like a medical genius who discovered penicillin. It's a medicine that can cure infection all over the world. But people are still sick. And so the disciples, you know, Peter, James, John, you, me, we're like the doctors. We're being cured by this medicine, but we're also needed now to apply it to other people. The kingdom has come, but it will fully come when all are healed. And so we continue with this robust, ambitious prayer. Choose what God wants. And it starts with asking God, apply your medicine to our eyes so that we might see the world and not just ourselves. I mean, the world is beautiful. It's spectacular, it's inspiring, and it's battered, and it's bruised, and it's twisted. And God is grieving for this world, and God wants to change this world. And so we grieve for this world, and we want to change this world. And as the Holy Spirit cures our eyes, then we see that flourishing, joy, peace, it's not my successes, it's not yours, it's not my accumulation of luxuries and likes, it's to see God's reality lived out. It's to see those liberated who've been crushed. It's to see people released to follow God's direction rather than the temptations of today that try and sway them. It's to see our lives change from being self-absorbed, me culture. God can subvert that mindset. God can convert us to see joy and meaning, not in ourselves, but in lives turned towards him. A common question is, how do I get mine? Maybe the spirit converts that question. Where does the world today not align with the world as it should be? How do we get God's? How dramatically would our lives change if we weren't focused on building our kingdoms, striving for our glory, but the healing of the world? To say the Lord's Prayer, it's to ask for that medicine. Lord, I want to be healed. And I want to be strong enough to administer that medicine to others. Are we ready to commit to that prayer? To set some captives free? To root out some evil? To welcome God at home in the world? I suppose we could continue to be like a couple dogs fighting over a toy. Mine! Or we could say the world's most courageous prayer. Nah, not my way. God's way. I'm going to fix my eyes on that. God's way is a feast before us. A feast of his self-giving to us. 
in Jesus. It may seem daunting to try and say we'll submit to the Lord's will in our life. How do I even begin? Uh, Jesus says, let me enter in. And so we come to this table today where there is not preconditions. You don't have to necessarily be on the right track, all cleaned up, perfect in every way. You don't have to have your United Methodist theology all fit and trimmed. In fact, you don't even have to be a member of this place. It takes courage to come to the table and say, God, I know you're already working in me. I want to allow it more. I get pretty preoccupied with myself, Lord, but I want you to guide me in your way. I want you to feel that invitation that you are welcome at his table. Let us pray. We keep silent before you, Lord. We are afraid to confront our mistakes. We are terrified to face the reality of our sin. We know that we lean towards selfish gain, doing life our own way. And yet we admit we are lost, but we want to gain Christ. So help us admit our sin, accept our imperfection. Don't allow us to hesitate knowing that you stand ready to wash away our regret, our self-centeredness, all in your steadfast love, forgiving us. In your healing embrace, Lord, cleanse us. In your Holy Spirit, restore us. And set your way of the kingdom within us, we pray. And the words of assurance are these. The Lord hears the prayers of the faithful heart. The Lord wraps his arms around those with salvation and shouts of deliverance enfold us, for you are forgiven. <laughs> forgiven that God will transform the world through you. Thanks be to God. And God's people said, Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For you formed human beings from the dust of the ground. You breathed life into them. You gave Adam and Eve a paradise in which to live. But they disobeyed you. They discovered the difference between good and evil. Their eyes were opened to behold your true glory. 
So with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name. We join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, for he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, but he renounced all efforts by the tempter to win his loyalty. He died not for his sins, but for ours. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you, O God, gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by the water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink from this. All of you, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, on these gifts of bread and of juice, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. For as by one man sin came into the world, by one man sin has been conquered. In this moment of prayer, Lord, we lift up to you the petitions of our collective hearts. For those who are wounded, bring healing. To those who are grieving, bring your peace. To those who are searching, provide answers, direction. For those who are longing for revival, bring spirit. And Lord God, for those who are trapped 
in a cycle of self-centeredness. Bring freedom that we might turn towards your way and your will. By your spirit, Lord God, make us one with you, one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen, amen, amen. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. Will you join me as we pray that prayer, Jesus? is teaching us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'll invite those who are assisting in the serving today to come and receive the elements first. And during this time, as you take the bread and juice, as you hear the music, as you reflect on today's word, I invite you also to offer your own prayer in your seat at these two rails, altar rails. Uh, Lord, show me what your will looks like on earth in this moment, and how can I commit more to your way? The body of
eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Help us receive this sacrament, this season of Lent to grow closer to you, that we might release a bit more of ourselves into your way and your rule in our life and in our community. Grant that we go into the world with the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, amen and amen. Will you join in our closing hymn of compassion? Prayer is the soul's sincere desire. The words are on the screen. They're on page 492, but the melody will be familiar to Amazing Grace. All right, let us sing. Stand as you are able to sing. Look forward to greeting you downstairs for the children's production and coffee fellowship downstairs as well. Lots of delicious cookies there. Don't grab them and say, that one's mine. We've got plenty for all. Uh, may we learn to uh, open our eyes uh, through the healing spirit uh, to see joy, purpose, and peace in God's way taking rule on the earth today. In Jesus' name we depart. Amen. <laughs>